This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey. Hey. What'd you think? About what? Did did you get my text? Oh. Hello and welcome to another episode of Did You Get My Text? I'm Patton Oswalt. I'm Meredith Salinger. Hi, Patton. Hi, Meredith. Uh, from talking to you from so far away, uh, it may as well be in another state because you're up a flight of stairs, which I will not be able to navigate until at least March 18th, unfortunately. Correct. So... Last week, you got your sugar tongue splint cast from Urgent Care. That's right. And this week, we went yesterday for you to get your real cast. We upgraded. We decided to upgrade ourselves. Upgrading to a very large purple cast that no longer fits into the pants that... (laughs) No, it does not. Um, Anyway, you can't come upstairs, so I'm upstairs and you're downstairs and... This is a a very um, whatever happened to baby Jane situation, or it could turn into that, depending on how crazy both of us go over the next five weeks while my... What a week. I hope you guys out there listening had a good week. We are very happy you guys are here. Um, Patton, what's been going on? Well, I want to put it this way, and this is going to seem a little meandering, and just stick with me, okay? About half an hour ago, we got delivered to our house. I ordered them from Alinea Restaurant, uh, three frozen pot pies. Alinea is a restaurant in Chicago, maybe one of the best restaurants on the planet, run by a chef named Grant Ackett, and they have these two-order different pot pies, beef, chicken, Uh, In this case, a mushroom one. You put them in your freezer, take them out when you need them, throw them in the oven for 70 minutes, and they are redonkulously delicious. So um, we got three of these. Now, the reason that I'm bringing this up is because Alinea, again, one of the best restaurants, Michelin stars, uh, heralded the world over, is um, uh, known, obviously, because it's a restaurant, it has to be known for its flavors, for its tastes. And Grant Ackett's, uh, its head chef and creator, very famously, a few years ago, got tongue cancer, and <gasps> was whoa that sucks for someone who's a chef. Well, it sucks, and it's also horrifically ironic that the best young chef in the world now is stricken with tongue cancer. So there was a he had well to that make, happens with like didn't Beethoven was well who was we're, deaf. We're getting to that. Um, oh, okay. That it's funny that you bring Beethoven up. So Grant Ackett's uh, had a choice to make. There was a treatment that involved, I believe, radiation and chemotherapy that would have killed um, the cancer, but it would have cost him his taste. His sense of taste would have been gone forever. Uh, Or there was another one where it was a risky experimental holistic treatment where he could still die, but he could possibly retain his sense of taste and lose part of his tongue. So he took the gamble on doing the experiment because he was like, I'd, if, I, if I can't have taste, I can't live. This is what I do. This is why I'm here. There's yeah. no point in me doing this. So he had to go through this whole process where he went through it. He lost his taste for a while. Um, he then had to describe the tastes he was going for to his sous chef and crew and trust that they were creating the taste that he was tasting in his mind. He can taste things in his mind. So... Um, it's an, he wrote an amazing memoir called On the Line About It. Now, during this, when uh, there was a point where 
it looked like he was going to have to do the radiation and just completely lose his sense of taste. One of his friends tried to cheer him up by saying, well, you know, uh, Beethoven was uh, totally deaf when he wrote the Ninth Symphony and you know all of his later symphonies. And Grant Ackett's, um response was, yeah, how much fun do you think that was? Like, how much how much do you think he was enjoying his life when he he's the greatest living composer and he cannot hear the music he's writing? Don't give me that as encouragement. And the reason that I'm saying that is because I've been and and this is more I'm saying this to myself. I've been trying to encourage myself during this saying you're immobile for 6 weeks, you've lost a lot of work, uh most of it's being able to be rescheduled, which is fine. Um but you know, gosh darn it, this is your chance to sit down and do the writing that you say you want to do because you can't go anywhere else. You're just totally immobile, but I'm I don't want to falsely fill myself with confidence and completely try to ignore the absolute pain in the ass that this is and how Correct. not fun this is. I know. It's sort of like when coronavirus hit though and everybody was yeah. stranded at home and it's like during this time, I'm going to write the book that I meant to write. I'm going to organize my closet that I meant to organize. I'm going to da 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 blah. And everybody sort of felt obligated to do those things because now you're sitting at home and you have the time and then you sort of feel shitty about yourself if you don't do it. So you got to make sure you give yourself a little bit of a, yeah. uh, you know. And also you realize that uh, a little, uh, give yourself a little leeway, give yourself a yeah. little break, give yourself some breathing room. But also I think a lot of people realize, and I think this is good, that um, uh, a lot of the art or whatever creative or vocational thing that you do, a lot of that is enhanced and made um, – tolerable and made better by the contact that you have with the human world. Just the, even if it's not direct contact, just being out and seeing life moving around, sitting in your house, no matter how many comforts you have, if you don't have that human contact, every other faculty shrivels away and dies. Um, you well, know, the nice thing about going the other day to get your cast was we had to go into town to the hospital and they wrapped you all up. And then on the way home, I said, would you like to go to a restaurant? Because it had been so long. Yeah, well, that that was getting to that too. The idea that afterwards you you said, I want to go. And and I remember as we were driving, I was like, how about toast? And you're like, I want to go to a place where we sit and someone actually come. We hadn't done that in like two years. Well, a lot of the restaurants we go to, you like order and then they give you a number and then you sit outside and then they bring it to you outside. And it had been so long when you just actually just sit down and order mm-hmm. and have someone bring you your food. Like a restaurant seems like such a luxury right now. Yes, absolutely. But again, we it, and it wasn't even that we had all that much to talk about sitting at the restaurant because we've been together every day now because of my stupid foot. But it was you could see how how perked up and happy we were because you could listen to the voices around us. We ran into a guy in line at the restaurant who was holding a French bulldog puppy. We Oh my gosh, you guys, this puppy was so cute. It was a little what color was it, baby? It was a type of blue. It's a gray blue. It has it's a like very a rare very co- charcoal. Yeah. Like charcoal gray with mm-hmm. the most beautiful like kind of bluish eyes, little tiny. Looks like a little baby, like a real baby. It looks like Frenchie puppies look like humans. They're really babies. cute. But again, th- really that, cute. it was that was all part and parcel to, um, we got to experience some life. We, the hostess that was trying to sit us was like, we're really running out of tables. I'm going to do the best I can. It is Super Bowl weekend. Oh, that's right. I'd forgotten about that. Yeah. There's all this craziness going on. Uh, you saw some old friend of yours that walked by. We talked to a woman that was sitting next to us for a second as I was trying to sit down and she was kind of laughing and smiling. Just again, these little moments that make life worth living. It was great. Yes, those little moments. And and the truth is a lot of people are having those moments because a lot of other people are actually going out and doing things with their masks and living life normally in a way. They're going shopping, they're doing this, they're doing that. Um, so it feels very fresh and new for us because we don't do it. Right. We haven't done it in so long. Um, that's like the other day when I went to the mall to try to get you a pair of pants that went over your cast. Yeah. And I was walking through a mall 
But we talked about that last time, didn't we? That I thought I was going to get murdered in the parking lot. But even beyond that, it was... Did we talk about that last we time? We did. But what I'm saying is that that text that you sent about, oh, I think I might get murdered here. Oh, I'm just wandering <laughs> around in this mall with no action. I don't have an actual thing I need. I just want to walk around and look in shops. I don't know. I think you need that as part of your sanity. Oh, definitely. Because while I was doing it, I was sort of like, oh my gosh, I'm back in the real world. This feels... Mm-hmm. Like, seeing other people, it just felt so normal. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, I had a mask on, but that's fine. I don't mind. Um, but people were just walking around being normal with their masks on, obviously. But it was it was fun. It was like, I felt like I was, you know, pre-marriage. <laughs> it was Because also- I used to go shopping with my friends, and yeah. it, was, it just felt like, you know, life. Well, anyone listening, I'm not preventing her going shopping with her friends. I don't want you. He keeps me locked in a she cage married at home. me. This isn't um, Julia Roberts sleeping with the enemy. I let her go do things for God's sakes. Well, only on Saturdays, baby. You have a full 45 <laughs> minutes to do whatever you want. You have 20 <laughs> minutes of internet time a week. Uh, you, I, I am down with progressiveness and and wokeness. You are allowed those things. And then and, and you can use your phone as long as I get to look at your call log after. That's not a big deal. <laughs> you can do right. whatever you want. But just and I that, can read my emails as long as you see them. Yeah, I mean, again, I don't want anyone stuck in their house <laughs> and stuck away from people. But I also don't want people to die. So it's a weird push-pull. But you, it, it's really a- alarming now that I'm doing big chunks of writing again. I've been going on YouTube and there's these there are these ASMR uh, videos of... A, uh, a a coffee shop or a bookstore or a crackling fire, and there are ones of a coffee shop where there are muted multiple conversations of just people talking about nothing, and I mean four hours of it, uh, which makes me think that people are clearly craving it and are willing to create that artificially so that they can stay sane. I liked that I came in uh, while you were writing the other day, and I was. I was upstairs and I could hear this typewriter going, you know how typewriters go. And that wasn't a good impression, but you know, you know how a typewriter sounds. But I was like, what is he doing? And I came downstairs. I'm like, what are you doing? You're like, I'm writing. I was like thinking, when did he get a loud clacking typewriter? But you were actually listening to audio of other people typing. What kind of, for your work, if you're working on something, be it something creative or even a craft or something, besides music, what would be your ideal ASMR, some kind of background noise that puts you in a good mood or makes you feel connected to the world? And I'm talking in terms of a bar, coffee shop, whatever. If I'm writing, like actual writing, Mm -hmm. I need complete silence. Oh, okay. If I'm doing crafts, then I listen to music. If I'm crafting, I -hmm. love to listen to music. If I'm sitting in the sun, I like to listen to music. Mm-hmm. If I'm writing, I need to focus on my writing. I need some sounds in the background. It doesn't need to be um, loud, but there needs to be a muted, because I feel like, I, it just makes me feel like I'm just channeling part of the world. I, I read this really interesting book about, because I do a lot of meditation, and I always thought that, in my mind, meditation, you go to a quiet forest, you go to a silent desert. But a lot of the early um, practitioners of meditation, uh, especially like the, the way of peace, um, were lived and grew, grew up in urban settings um, and had to find a way you have to find that silence no matter where you are, which is why I've been gotten way better at being able to meditate on planes or just sitting around in public. Like I can do that now because that's part of it. It's part of the way. Well, you also meditate 20 minutes in the morning and 20 minutes at night all the time. Yes. Even sometimes in the afternoon, unless you're saying, I got to go meditate just to like get out of my, just to have me stop annoying you. Well, a lot of times I will, I, I will have to say like, if there's some decision to be made or something big, I'm saying, Hey, go give me 20 minutes. To, and I have a friend, uh, Greg, who's a composer. And you know, when we hang out, he has really gotten into meditation and is very open about, Hey, we're going to keep hanging out. I'm going to go off into another room for 20 minutes and sit and meditate. And he's so unabashed about that, that I've, like if I've gone to do voiceover and I get to the studio way early, I'll, I will ask, is there an office I can sit in and meditate? It'll make my session go better. And if you're very open about it, people are, usually tend to be pretty cool. I mean, in general, if you're open about things mm-hmm. and you're vulnerable and you're authentic and you're real, people. Yeah, like I need uh, to go do are, this. 
Yeah. I think it's when people hide things that, or try to cover for something that they're feeling that it right. makes whatever interaction they're doing well, it difficult. Makes, it makes everyone nervous. And, and just like uh, George Saunders said, if you have a problem and then you deny it, now you have two problems. Mm-hmm. So. Um, hey, you know what we should do? Mm-hmm. Honey. Take a break. Yeah, let's take a break and come back with something more uplifting. How about that? Uh, We'll be right back, guys. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome back to Did You Get My Text. Patton and I are both very excited to be chatting with you. Um, Patton, what is up? Well, I wanted to recount a story uh, that happened between the two of us a few. We, uh, before I broke my foot, we drove to a friend's house to have dinner. And oh boy, was it great. And on the way, uh, Meredith, who wanted to chat in the car, said, can we, let's play a question game in the car. And I said, absolutely. I said, let's play the what if game. We're driving along to our friend's house for dinner. You say, let's play uh, a what if game. And so I said, absolutely. What's the what if question? And then you said, if you were under suspicion of murder and the police were questioning you, what would you, you're only a suspect, what would you say to them? And, and right. Then, and I gave you and I gave you two things. I said, you're either absolutely guilty of the crime mm-hmm. or you're not. I gave you two options to do it. Right. If you're not guilty of the crime, what would you say? And if you are guilty, what would you say? OK, and then go. on. However, before I could even open my mouth, you said, now, if you're not guilty of the crime, here's what I would say. You would do. And then you outlined this whole <laughs> thing. And then you said, so that's what you should say in that situation. And I said, Am I part of this game? What am I like? It, it became a let me give you a lecture game instead of a what if game. And then it, so you, you, ba- and then even when I pointed out that you didn't let me speak, and then you said, now if you, if you were guilty, you knew that you had done it, what would you what say? Would you now, say? what I would say, it, and then you went right, but you could not stop yourself. Well, listen, let's what? tell them what, what it was too, by the way, because this is my personal opinion. If you go, and let's say you're arrested and you didn't do the crime, mm-hmm. but you've watched enough Dateline to know certain things. So I, I was suggesting that I would say to the police, listen, I want you to, I understand I'm the spouse or the friend or whatever, and I'm, I get it, and I know you have to do your due diligence, mm-hmm. and you always have to look at the person closest to the person. But I want, first of all, I didn't do it, but because I watch enough Dateline to know... Um, this might seem suspicious. What I'm about to say is I think I should have a lawyer here with me because I've seen enough Dateline to know that you get false confessions and blah, 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 blah. So I will answer whatever you need, but let me just get a lawyer here so that everything's cool. But I realize asking for a lawyer seems suspicious, but please just trust me. (laughs) And then you can go ahead and, and I'm happy to help you out. Exactly. But again, just But it does seem suspicious if you ask for a lawyer. To our listeners... I was sitting in the car in the passenger seat. She at, let's play a what if game. Fabulous. Let's do it. And then it became uh, Meredith Salinger's uh, actresses in cars giving TED Talks. That's what it turned into. <laughs> and I didn't get to say anything. And also, I feel like that's another thing that then I've, it, I've been thinking about since, we, since that happened is police, the police must now know that everyone has seen at least one True, true crime docudrama or I mean, some people like Meredith, I think Meredith speaks for the bulk of the population that watches everything. They can, people cannot get enough murder shows, but even people with the most passing interest have watched a couple. Yes. No. I just feel like the police at this point know that everyone has either 
um, is either like you and watches every freaking crime show, and that's probably the bulk of the population, watches every Dateline, watches every 48 Hours, watches everything that comes on Netflix, Hulu, Apple, what every streaming service, all their murder docs, or they just have a passing interest and have seen whatever the big ones are and have a – have what's what, what could we call this? Um, I'm um, – hang on. I know – I know docudrama law. Like I, I know the, I know police, poli- I know police procedure through watching docudramas. I wonder if they have a slang term for that. Where this guy's like, oh, this guy's, we got a docudrama in the in the cell right well, now. Well, it's sort He's of just like when you go to the doctor and you've already done your research online. It's like you're oh, your yeah. own doctor. And you're like, oh my god, I have a pain here. I think it's appendicitis, but I read that it could also be liver disease. Like you know, um, and. Yeah, everybody likes to be their own little detective and everyone, you know, likes to research what might be going on with them medically and and offer that up to the doctors, which by the way is quite important because, you know, you know your body better than anyone else and you have to advocate for yourself and so many times you've read where someone goes to the doctor and they say something and the doctor's like, "Oh, it's just stress. That's why you have a stomach ache. Oh, it's just this." Da, 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 da. And then there's like a 12-pound tumor in their stomach or something later. Right. I see I'm more of the I'm more of a type and maybe this means I'm too um credulous for my own good, but if I'm paying someone to do something, I'm not gonna go do a whole lot of extra work on my own and then come in and go, nah, I don't know about that. I don't so then why did you come in here? Why did you why did you pay me? It's not about testing them or or questioning them. It's about being aware of what you're feeling and knowing what your body feels like and maybe saying, it seems like it could be this, it seems like it could be that, I could be completely wrong, but this is my feeling. Mm-hmm. And then give them all that information so that information helps them make a determination. Well, but it's one thing to give them the information where you're being very honest about how you're hurting, where it is, and what happened. And it's another thing to go, and then I went and read all this other stuff, and it could, you know, why why gum up the works Give them the pertinent information to what's happening to you as well as your medical history and then let them make the decision rather than bringing them a bunch of what-if scenarios. It doesn't make sense to me. I love a what-if game. I think you know that. <laughs> well, but you yeah, but you don't love a what-if game. You love a here's what I should do and I need you to agree that you'll do the same thing. That's what you like. Yes, I like everybody to agree with me. I was, I did it again the night before I broke my foot. I did a show at the uh, Supernova Comedy, and a great comedian I love, Greg Fitzsimmons, went up before me, and he talked about something that I'd, I'd thought about for years but never put together, where, where you're filling out your medical form about to see the doctor, and it said, In case of emergency, who should you contact? And he was like, uh, I'm sorry, is there a better doctor that I should be seeing? It should be you. I'm a, why would I put my wife or brother down? They're not going to help me. It should be you, you idiot. Like, why is that thing there? That I don't know. There's something about that made me laugh so hard. That's that's my attitude when I go to see a medical professional. Here's what is wrong. Here's how I feel. Here's what happened. Fix it. I'm not going to come in with, and here's all my research I did. I'm not trying to win against them in a college bowl. It's funny you bring that up because we were talking about this the other day. Um, We didn't get married till I was 47. And prior to that, all my in case of emergencies are my dad. Yep. And he's on all of my in case of emergencies. Who to call? Him. He's the one. Yeah, because he's a medical professional. Yes, but also he's my dad. Yeah. But, you know, I would have put my mom too. Um, But, you know, I just felt like my dad should. Anyway... Even when we got married and I had gone to a few places that had those questions, I didn't change them to you. You're supposed to put your spouse. You don't put your dad unless you don't trust your spouse. But what if you have a relative that lives locally and is a medical professional? It's not... You're not, it's not in case of an emergency, I need some other medical professional. It's in case of an emergency, tell my next of kin or let my dad know what's going on. It's a family thing. It's not like a medical thing. You're at the doctor. They, they're the ones who need that information. Like, who do we call? What's her family history? That's what it's no, no, for. No, no. I, I feel like I might go for the backup. Who do I have as my emergency contact? My doctor, dad, or my comedian husband? <laughs> well... I decided I would like to keep my doctor dad. I just Good. trusted him a little bit more. No but it problem. has nothing to do with him being a doctor. It's more about who you feel like will be there. And not that you wouldn't be there in a second for me. Obviously, you would. I just didn't feel like changing it yet. And so for like three years, I hadn't changed 
it, but I recently changed my stuff too. Ah, I guess we're going to stay married forever. <laughs> You're now my emergency contact, honey. Is was that I that feel like that must have been some kind of romantic ditty in the 30s. You're my emergency contact. Are you the first person that they'll call? If you want to be emergency contact, you got to give me a roll. Bop, ba doop, vote I don't know. I wanted to talk to you about what happened last night. Um, our daughter came into my room and oh, said, boy. Mom, I need you to print out uh, <laughs> these pictures for me so I can put them on this tiny card. Right. And she sent me all these big pictures. And I said, Alice, they need to be shrunk down. Like, Mm -hmm. don't, she's, she's going to be 13. She's smart. She could do all this. She could have taken the photos she wanted and shrunk them down so that they would fit on the little card. And I had said to her a few days ago, Alice, you need to, you need to do that. You need to go. This is for her yearbook. She wants to put like eight pictures on a little rectangle Um, So there's four rectangles on a page. Each kid gets their own rectangle to decorate. And she had eight pictures. And I said, okay, well, you need to shrink them down so you know how to do that. Go do that. And I didn't hear from her. I figured she did what she had to do. And uh, last night at 8 o'clock at night when she's supposed to be in, when she's like supposed to settle down, start reading in bed and just leave us alone, she comes in my room and you and I were about to start a movie and she said, Mom, this is due tomorrow. I need you to help me print it out. And I said, Alice, you can't wait till the last minute because things can come up and whatever. So she's like, well, I don't know how to do that. Can you do it? So I'm shrinking down all her pictures for her. Mm -hmm. And then I went to print it out. My printer's out of ink. Mm. I replaced the ink. We tried to print it out again. The printer wouldn't print properly. And I said, Alice, this is why you don't wait till the night before to do your homework. And you don't tell me the night before. You have to do this in advance for situations like this. What ifs? (laughs) The what if game. What if your printer doesn't work? And again, and even with her friends, she had a, she has a birthday for a friend of hers, um, on Saturday, uh-huh. and she had all week to say, Mom, I really want to get her this thing. Right. And I said to her, I said, on Monday, I said, hey, Alice, what do you want to get Clover for her birthday? And she's like, let me think about it. I'll think about it. I said, well, think about it so I have enough time to help you get it, or unless you want to make her something or whatever you want to do. And and so again, you know, she never told me anything and the birthday's tomorrow. And so now I have to pick her up from school and rush to somewhere to buy a present. In other words, the last minute hell on her part is everybody else scrambling to fix her yeah, situation. Yeah, that's... And uh, so what do you guys think? What do you think about that? Do you at that point say, hey, man, you had all week to figure this out. It's not working. You, you're going to have to go tell your teacher this isn't working. Or do you sit there and try to help your kid? Obviously... I tried to help her. I did everything I could. I called other people. Could you print this out for me? Blah, blah, blah. But it then takes the responsibility of seven other people trying to help because your kid yes. didn't do it when she was supposed to do it. Do you and make so your I kid take her, the hit and the hit will be something they remember? Or do you, oh, man. Exactly. So it was sort of like a while ago she had gone to school and she had to have a costume because they were doing a thing where she needed a costume. And I said to her the night before, I was like, make sure you lay everything out, make sure you have all your stuff. And then she went to school and she didn't bring it. And they called me from school and said, she doesn't have her thing. So then I had to get her thing and rush down there. (sighs) And then it happened again with homework. And so I said to her, Alice, now this has happened two times. Right. And you're done. You have to be responsible for your own thing. And if you don't have it, you don't have it. And that's how you're going to learn your lesson. So if they call again and say, she doesn't have this item, you'll go, yeah, she doesn't have it. Exactly. I'll say to her, you had all the time in the world to plan this. You had the night before to lay things out. You didn't do it. You didn't plan in advance. And now it's your problem. And you need to learn this lesson now because later in life, when it actually matters, Mm -hmm. you don't want to have this problem of forgetting, you know, the whatever cool yeah yeah well i mean we're we're, it it, part of it it's weird it means that like subconsciously we're waiting for (laughs) part partially you're waiting for the next thing that she forgets so that you can say it's time for the lesson i can't you know can't do it so it's weird to have that 
in 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 the back of your head that's floating around that it, the hammer's going to come down sooner or later because she keeps doing this. So what ifs and kids? It's a whole thing. Um, uh, how about we take a break and come yeah, back with something take else? Take a break. Come right back. <laughs> Hey, we're back. So, by the time you've heard this, um, Gaspacho Gate will have long passed. Uh, there is a certain congresswoman, Marjorie Taylor Greene. Don't need to go into exactly who she is because you all know. Because she's an embarrassment. But she was giving a uh, statement about, uh, you know, COVID restrictions or some nuttiness. She's all a QAnon and craziness and, you know, big Trumper. But she said, um, she was trying to say the term... Uh, the Gestapo police, but instead she said the Gazpacho police and Twitter. Gazpacho. Gazpacho police. And Twitter had a field day, just r- running with it for a day. Gazpacho is a soup. <laughs> Anyone listening knows the difference between Gestapo and Gazpacho. And if you don't know, why are you listening to this podcast? Um, and everyone had a field day. And then today, uh, a woman named Andrea Mitchell was on MSNBC and was talking about Andrea Mitchell, the newscaster? Andrea Mitchell, yes. Uh, And was um, uh, talking about gerrymandering, and she said gerrymathering. Oh, um, no. Wait, no. She She did. Well, that was was like a slur, probably. Well, okay, that's... Because she's brilliant. But here's the thing. That was absolutely a slur. Marjorie Taylor Greene is so flippin' dumb. She has no idea what she said was wrong. But if you're talking about the newscaster, Andrea Mitchell... She's brilliant. Yeah. Here's, I, here's, here's what I was... I'm not, I'm not accusing either one of anything. I'm just saying I that I think each <laughs> of them was operating at the peak of their intelligence. And Andrea had um, tons of stuff on her mind and made a really goofy, dumb slip. Um, and, and, probably will, just... and probably will own it and go, oh, yeah, I said gerrymandering. I said gerrymandering. And, she's, and also, she's talked about it dozens of times before so there's evidence Wait, isn't that jerry mather the he's beaver? the beaver he's the beaver on uh the beaver. <laughs> jerry mather um the beef now she referenced the beef the beef now um uh mtg marjorie taylor green if you watch the clip she says gazpacho in such a i am spiking the ball in the end zone way she truly thinks she is using the correct term, has it yeah. in the chamber, is ready to fire it, is so excited to um, own uh, the libs with this. And now today, she's trying to roll with it by saying, yes, and they're trying to put us in a goulash. Ha, ha, ha. It's like, no, Marjorie, we you messed up. Just own that messing up. Don't own that. You're, she's trying to make it look like, oh, no, I was making a joke just to no, fool you yeah. libs. Like, you weren't. Ugh. You said it wrong, and you got... Although, here's the... Um, go ahead, what? Well, I was just going to say that there's nothing I fear more than making a point and being adamant about your point and having misinformation. Mm-hmm. Like, I, my fear is like, the, the foundation of democracy is this, and then you say it, and you're like, well, actually, you said that wrong. It's actually uh, the <laughs> republic, and da-da-da-da. Like... When I get passionate about a topic, I am so passionate, but then there's always that little thing in the back of your mind going, are you giving the correct information right now? Because God forbid, I would be so mortified if I was adamantly stating my opinion based on a fact and I gave the wrong facts. I would be horrified. Yes. It's it's the whole, it's the Homer Simpson, I thought the cop was a prostitute. And then he folds (laughs) his arms like, "Uh uh-huh, I think I just made my point here. Like, oh, dude. So, yeah, there's that. um, uh, But also, now here's the other thing, though, and this is kind of disturbing to me and I've been thinking about this. There's a whole new language. You know how um, Strunk and White have the elements of style. There are the basic rules oh, of grammar. Oh, I love that, everyone... that book. Yes, great book. Um, I actually have a picture of you from a couple of years ago. I captured the moment when you realized that E.B. White was the white in Strunk and White. Uh, you did not know that. What? We were, no, we were, I think... We were having dinner at Amy and Michael's house, and there was a collection of essays by E.B. White on that thing, and you said, oh, I love E.B. White because of Charlotte's Web, and, and then I said yeah. elements of style, and you said... That's the white in elements, and then uh, you're holding the book up and pointing at it like, huh? Oh my gosh! Yeah, so I want to see there was that. I don't moment, recall that at all. I'll put it on the Instagram. It's an adorable picture. You're so happy. You know what's interesting? Every time 
you know when someone's on the stand and they say, I don't recall, mm-hmm. but you know they recall? Of course. They're just saying, I don't recall, yeah, so they don't have to they answer have the to. question? Yeah. I literally don't recall pointing to that strunk and white thing. Oh. I kind of vaguely remember having that be a thing, but I would love to see the picture because I remember it because yes, it was such a delightful I can, moment. I can picture myself saying that. Yeah, and I, look, and I, I also love it because I have so many moments like that when someone points out something to me that was just there, and I just always missed it, didn't realize that's why that was there. What? Wait a minute! Like, so I love those moments. I love a good epiphany. A good epiphany, as as James Joyce would say. So, um... That could be a show, Good Epiphany, <laughs> and the girl's name is Epiphany. What an epiphany! <laughs> so, um... Uh, the, the, here's the thing, though. There is a whole different, now, language and grammar to social media, to Twitter, to Facebook, different phrases now that have kind of are part of the vernacular. Um, uh, LOL and owned and, you know, can I has and stuff like that, that just people, you know, like the, sir, this is a Wendy's. That is now such a standard response when someone posts some crazy rant on Twitter and someone will go, sir, this is a Wendy's. Okay, I get it. Yeah, they do all the time. Very funny. But so is, are we now, are we now in this post-Twitter world where that's an out for anyone now that makes a mistake when they can say, because what she and a lot of her followers are saying is that was done on purpose just to see if the liberal mob would jump on it. It's actually, we're making you look like fools. Um, We're the smart ones because we trolled you. Now, obviously, she messed up. She just can't own it. And But, that, but they have that possibility of defense that they can roll with and then keep moving on. I think everybody's aware, every intellectual and every person is so clearly aware the obviousness of it was not a joke and she's trying to say it's a joke and you're just embarrassing yourself even more but here's the thing back in the day dan quayle misspelled potato and it pretty much ended his career but now there are way i mean every single day these idiots are saying the dumbest things you've ever said and everyone just well we're all po- it's all post consequence. It's post reality. Um, there's no such thing as no one ever goes away anymore out of shame. That's just never going to happen again. Right, because what when Trump became president, every single day was a scandal that would have ended anyone else's presidency, and his were so extreme that potato means nothing. A tan suit on Obama means nothing. Screaming that Howard Dean did like, yeehaw, whatever he did at his thing means absolutely nothing. Even having an affair means absolutely nothing because Trump cheated on Melania and, right. you know, there's evidence that they paid her to, you know, hush money. Literally every single day was a career ending day. And because he got through it and because it was so blatant, it's almost like, the level of what is acceptable has lowered so much that now people think anyone can run for president. Any idiot but what off I'm the street is, can run for it, it, It's that, but what, what it's also the – if you – in other words, you're the nerd and the idiot for being the person pointing out the mistake rather than the person making the mistake. The person making the mistake is now never the idiot. It's the person going, uh, actually, it's the... And then people go, oh, shut up, you dumb nerd. So, in other words, their argument is... It depends what the mistake so is, up Clearly... In, but, I mean, name... Think of all the think people... Matt Gates, MTG, Trump, all these people, all of the constant horrific stuff they say and do... Are any of them out of office? Are any of them in jail? Are any of them fit? like they all seem no, to be rolling along? No, but it doesn't matter along. because everybody still is able to see their idiocy or their corruption very clearly, and whether they get punished or not, we are desperately trying to, you know, give justice where it needs to be given. Yeah, but but, but I'm not talking about punishing being punished or not. I'm talking about. We're, we're, you, everyone sees what idiots they are. Everyone sees how dangerous they are. And then the next day they wake up and they get to make laws and decide things that affect our lives. I don't care. I don't even care about them going to jail. I would like them to lose the power to decide life on this planet. That is way more important than them being in jail. And that's not. That's what's not being taken away. And that's terrifying. A woman right. said gazpacho thinking she was saying Gestapo. And now today, as we speak, she is drawing up and making laws 
and deciding. Well, that well, first that's of insane. all, the Gestapo Gaspacho thing is hardly reason for someone to be out of office, even though they're idiots. It's every other thing she did that that is so. I'm, but I'm just saying, like, it's, but, it's emblematic of. You know, it, it that is the top of an iceberg of idiocy that is underneath iceberg of idiocy and venality and evil that's underneath the water um, that we all know is there. And she is a sitting congressperson. The 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 um, the distinct she is she is the distinguished uh, gentlewoman from her state uh, representing her people. That's yeah, insane. It's unconscionable. That's insane. It's unconscionable. Yeah. Anyway, moving on from <laughs> talking about. Trump types of people and idiots. Look, I'm still trying to keep this kind of light as angry as I got, but we are in this weird. I just wonder what is going to be the whole post truths Altamont. What what will be the thing where it goes too far and people have to pull back? Now, Altamont was something where something good went too far and then we pulled back into something bad. But also, what was the good thing that went too far? The good thing was the whole idea of peace and love and absolute equality and everyone just let's break down all the walls and we're all the same thing. And then they packed too many people into too small a space with way too many drugs and then it turned into death. So what is the thing where we're all LOLing about some kind of goofy mistake, but then that mistake literally costs the life of a city or poisons a lot of, you know what I mean? Like, like what is... Dude, we've done it. There's the Flint water situation. There's a million things that have been done already. It's done. It's going to happen. You just say, these people are doing terrible things and they don't care. These people are trying very hard to pass laws so that the bad people can, can, you know, we're all just trying. There's good and evil and currently it feels very much like a political divide on good and evil. And um, nothing is too far because we've seen how far it's gone into we even keep saying that, and then we keep pushing the line. What I'm saying is there could there. I'm just trying to imagine a point where everyone blinks, where suddenly, for some reason, there are now no longer two sides, and we all are actually forced to go. Oh wow! Okay, wait. Hey, a minute. Patton, you know the one thing that everybody would blink to? What? The only thing that everyone would blink to <laughs> is what is something that collectively we all experience. For example, a natural disaster where there's an earthquake that shakes the whole world or something, or there's an alien invasion and we're all like, holy shit, it's not us versus them. It's us versus them. I don't, because COVID was, should have been a collective experience and that got politicized. So all right. I'm thinking is aliens coming down, there would now be trolls and edgelords going, maybe the alien should take over. Uh, you know, there would be- Guess pe- what? What? You're playing the what-if game. Yeah, exactly. And I'm, by the way, I'm playing the what-if game the way it should be played. I'm just wondering out loud. I'm not making any decisions, and I'm letting you wonder out loud as well. I'm not saying, what's the thing that will come down and make us all blink? Now, here's what I think it's going to be, and then I just map it all out and have you agree with me. I'm just wondering out loud what that could be. Well, guess what? We don't know. Now it's time for Did You Get Our Picks? Tell you what we like, what we really, really like. Yeah, tell me what you like, what you really, really like. (laughs) It's time for Patton's Picks. Patton's Picks. Patton's Picks. No, we have a theme song, Does whatever Patton's Picks do. We have a theme song. All right. Yeah, but that was funny, too. A lot of my picks are things that by the time you hear this uh, podcast will be out. But as I'm speaking, they are forthcoming. But I was lucky enough... Uh, to get to see them early. Um, Bob Odenkirk has a new memoir coming out called Comedy, 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 Drama. Uh, I just got to read an advanced copy of it. It is a fascinating look at not only a pretty amazing career in terms of Bob, you know, starting off at Second City in Chicago, becoming an SNL writer, and then ending up in a a genuinely um, brilliant dramatic actor in stuff like Nebraska and Little Women and, you know, Nobody and a especially Better Call Saul. Um, And if you are a big early 90s comedy nerd uh, and you want to know his viewpoint of the whole Los Angeles scene that birthed Mr. Show and all that stuff, uh, there's a great section in the middle. And also all of his years at SNL, all of his his year-long years of friendship with Chris Farley. It's an incredible read. You'll go blazing right through it. And um, speaking of Mr. Show, uh, David Cross has a new... Uh, comedy special. It came out yesterday, Valentine's Day, and it's called I'm from the Future. 
And you can download it at I'm at davidcross.com. It's a special he shot um, at the um, Bell House in Brooklyn. It's great. He is, um, I had dinner with him a couple weeks ago, and he said it was after he had been trapped up in Toronto, he and his wife went up there to shoot something, to shoot a show called Why the Last Man, that the show then shut down, but then Toronto shut down. And they couldn't leave the country, and they were trapped together in this tiny apartment in Toronto with their newborn and it drove both of them crazy. And you get to see Cross on stage, raw and fresh from that experience and being hilarious. The best part of you and David having had dinner together the other week was that you had taken a picture as a joke. You're both comedians. Where you intertwine your arms holding <laughs> um, red wine glasses like mm-hmm. you're a couple in love. And Amber uh, said, you know, something along the line. David's wife, Amber Tamblin, said something along the lines of, you're cheating on me with Patton Oswalt well, or she something tweeted, like that. She tweeted first when David left to come to L.A. She's like, my husband is in L.A. cheating on me with Patton Oswalt. They're going to dinner tonight. Right. Then you so when posted I went the to dinner, picture. we posted the picture, and then it caused a – and then oh, – Well, yeah. let me tell you oh, something. Yeah, yeah, she, <laughs> so she posted that, and half the people – took her seriously. Like, as if David Cross is going to cheat on Amber with you. Come on And also, if they're going to have a divorce or a that situation, they would do it over Twitter? Yeah, it's ridiculous. And by the way, who was one of the people that was taken in by it? Her mother. Her mom was texting her concerned and worried. What is happening, sweetie? And... But again, that's that generation that doesn't get that the grammar of Twitter and social media, how goofy it is. And she took it well, dead. There was a sarcasm seriously. that half the population couldn't understand. And no. then everybody's like, get back at them. You and Meredith get together. And we were like, okay. <laughs> like, we were all down. And for some that. of those people were serious. Like, you should, you should sleep with hey, his wife. Hey, guess what, Patton? Mm-hmm. Amber and I were serious, too. <laughs> um, yeah, that was pretty funny. Yeah, so that was great. Um, also yesterday, Valentine's Day, uh, a new season of Dana Gould's Hanging with Dr. Z has dropped. That's also on Dana Gould's website. Uh, Dana Gould uh, is a brilliant comedian who you probably know is obsessed with the movie Planet of the Apes. So he created a lost uh, talk show that was hosted by Dr. Zayas from Planet of the Apes. And it's the, a great um, nod and love letter to those groovy late 60s, early 70s, freewheeling talk shows where a lot of times the conversation would just hit a wall. And I was a guest on it last season. His new season has amazing people on it. It's Dana Gould dressed as Dr. Zayas um, trying to do showbiz patter, and it is brilliant, and I love it. Hanging with Dr. Z. You can check that out over on danagould.com. And now that I'm immobilized in my chair... I've been uh, catching up on a lot of TV shows, one of which I completely missed the boat on. I'm about to start the second season, but I finished the first season of Mythic Quest, which is Rob, uh, I can never say his na- last name right, McElraney, or he's, he created yeah. uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia. He created this new show about a video game development company. It is, if you are a fan of uh, 30 Rock, if you are a fan of Silicon Valley, my God, this show is so good. And F. Murray Abraham as an alcoholic. F. Murray F. Abraham. Murray uh, as an alcoholic. Um, neb- as he, and, and he'll say it every episode. Nebula award-winning science fiction writer from the early 70s is perfect. He's so funny in it. Um, and my, I was telling my friends about it on my little text and they said, oh, in season two, they do a backstory episode as to what happened to him and why he is where he is. And it's it's amazing. So I cannot wait to see it. That's exciting. Oh, boy. So, I saw one episode with you. And you were like, it was good. But I, I just, I went spinning down the rabbit hole of this show. Yes. Yeah. I liked it a lot. But there are so many other shows that I'm... Well, you you have, and I, yeah, you know, some, we have we each have shows we watch together, and then we have ones that we watch separately. You don't watch the Dateline stuff with me, no. But you know what show we all love, everybody loves, and everybody's talking about, and uh, is Abbott Elementary. But I think oh, we talked boy. about that last week, did well, we? It's it, the best it, show ever. Quinta Brunson <laughs> created this show, stars in the show, writes the show. First of all, she's adorable. We met her at the Ted Lasso premiere. She's the cutest thing on earth, and she's so charming and great. And the show is phenomenal. And if you haven't seen it, it's it's like the next new hit show, like a billion years. Yeah, 
and 22 you, episodes for the next 20 years. That's and, what and I if, wish. If you like Abbott Elementary and want to see more of Quintus' work, go back and watch uh, Black Lady Sketch Show. Uh, which she, which she uh, did work on is also a hilarious. She show. also wrote a book called "I Meme Well" or something like that. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's I, right. But it's meme, M E M E E. You know, like when you yeah. make a meme. Yeah. Um. So I think that's the name of her book. But she's just too cute for her own good, and she's smart and funny and awesome, and I love her. There's a bonus episode of I, I got a little. The only thing that annoyed me was there's a bonus episode of Mythic Quest for the first season that they shot during COVID where it's all them on Zoom meetings and trying to Zoom back and forth and do um, a staff meeting. And it, it's, again, like every Zoom meeting you've ever um, remembered at the beginning of COVID, it's a disaster. There are some people that actually dress for a Zoom meeting and try to look good. Other people look horrific. Um, and then people get annoyed with them, and it's so good. And the only thing that annoyed me was we – started shooting a Zoom episode of uh, AP Bio, and then we never put it together and did it. And so there is footage out there. Oh, so there's footage they could put together. Zoom epi- but, but now I think people are so sick of seeing anything on Zoom. This was something that they did immediately now. I don't think right. anybody wants to go back to, hey, you want to see people on Zoom? No. That's the last thing <laughs> yeah, people want to see. So that ain't we happening. We have enough of it in our own lives. Ugh. Not happening. So, uh, those are my recommendations. Hey, wait, Patton. What? I want to give you an opportunity to answer this question. Ooh, I can't wait. What if you were arrested for a crime you didn't commit? What would you say to the detectives? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I, think I so- would say. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> what would you say, baby? I would say whatever you said in the car. You you laid it out so well. I would say the same thing. Look, guys, uh, I know it's going to make me look suspicious. I would like to talk to a lawyer. I watch a lot of crime shows. I know but I'm supposed to... But you don't. So what would you say? I don't would, lie. I'm f- telling them. But but I I have watched a lot of them. I just don't watch them constantly. I've watched okay. a bunch. I, pr- I produced one, for God's sakes. I you produced could, a true oh, crime true. series. So I You just, did. I'll be gone in the dark. Exactly. And, that was and, like a number one HBO yes, show. exactly. And then, you know, I know a lot of cops, and I'm just saying, yes, I want a lawyer, and once my lawyer's here, I will absolutely cooperate with you. Boom. And help you find the real murderer. And help you find the real murderer. Now bring me my golf clubs. <laughs> um, well, thank you for acknowledging that everything I said was perfect, as always. And <laughs> God damn it. Unbelievable. All right. Uh, I, think, I think we're good. It's a good episode. All of you lovely people, have a beautiful week. <laughs> Until next Tuesday, we look forward to uh, entertaining your ears once again. Yes. Goodbye. Goodbye. Au revoir. And have a beautiful week. Goodbye. This podcast is a production of Meredith Salinger and Patton Oswalt. In association with Starburns Audio. Executive producers are Cliff Dorfman and Jason Smith. And if you have questions for us, send them to... Hey, did you get my text? At gmail.com. And don't forget, subscribe to this podcast. It's free, and it helps us get to keep making the show. Mm-hmm. Starbanks Avenue, a, podca- <clears throat> a podcast network.